Welcome back to another episode of Aboutcast. You know the drill already. We are going to be going through the latest episode of Attack on Titan, me and my main man, Chris. And today we have a special treat because not only do we have one episode to go through, which is episode 73, Savagery, but we also have episode 74 of Attack on Titan that we will be walking through in some sort of super Attack on Titan review of the two latest episodes. Before we start, Chris, how's it going? Dude, I am so good. It's been an amazing weekend and this weekend's been capped off by watching these two really awesome episodes dude uh first off i i really missed you last week man it was it was a little i felt a little lost uh not doing an episode with you and everything it was an empty sunday man it was um i'm glad that we're back now and we have uh double the fun but hopefully Everybody in Japan is doing all right. The mm-hmm. The reason that we couldn't do an episode last weekend was because the episode was postponed due to an earthquake in Japan, and they wanted all eyes on news to make sure that they could, you know, the people of Japan could be as safe as possible. So safety first, I get it. But um, Attack on Titan is a close second around here, and so that's why we're back. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway... Let's hop right in and start with episode 73, Savagery, and then end up in Soul Salvation. So as we start, essentially where we left off from Children of the Forest is Aaron hops in with a bloody hand and is kind of like running the room now that the Jaegerists are at the restaurant. And he essentially sits down, super, super tense moment. And it's very odd, but he says he just came here to let them know that he's free. And now he's, you know, talking shit to his to his close friends all of a sudden. And, you know, the a couple things that he says, I'm going to, you know, keep it factual. And then I want to hear your opinions and ideas, Chris. But he says that. Armin's mind is poisoned by Berthold's memories, essentially. And then that Mikasa is, you know, for lack of a better term, a soldier drone that is just sworn to protect the king uh, based off of her Ackerman, um, you know, genes. And for that reason solely, that's why she protected Aaron back back in season one. And he actually really, really hates that she's just a livestock slave to um, things that she doesn't control. So really, really punchy. And you don't really expect this from Aaron. But what was your first reaction to this particular scene? Dude, my first reaction was, oh, my gosh. Like, what has gotten into this man to go from, you know, being the sole protector of his friends loving his friends and like putting his friends first. Now he's just, just freaking crapping on him, man, like left and right, just calling him names, accusing him of things. And dude, honestly, it it like hurt my, hurt my heart a little bit to hear him say that to, to his homies. Like, ah, man. Yeah. It hurt. Dude. You can tell it obviously the, the level of coldness is, is pretty shocking knowing Aaron and you know his 
his homies, his rider dies are the reason, you know, one of his core pieces of what makes Aaron Aaron. So this is, it's very, very confusing to see not only that, but also like, not only is he like cold and callous, but he also kicks the crap out of Armin. Um, And it's insane, man. And quite ironic as far as I'm concerned being that. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Go for it, man. What, what did you find ironic about it? Uh, I don't know. I I was mainly just agreeing with you and everything that you're saying, but another thing that really caught my attention and caught my eye was when Mikasa held Armin back, even after Mm -hmm. Aaron said all those things to her and dude, it's, it's so crazy. Uh, that's just all I wanted to really add, but you can, yeah, Dude, just go on with the uh, the ironic topic. Well, I think you actually brought up a, an extraordinarily good note that I I think I slipped on, but I think that was like the perfect illustration of her being a slave to her genetics and Aaron mm-hmm. actually being right in that aspect of she was designed now kind of like drawn to protect Aaron and even though he's the enemy of the country or island, she still stopped him from getting punched in the face by Armin. <laughs> so like very, very, um, even though Aaron, what Aaron was like kind of saying was pretty whack towards his, towards his ex friends. Now I think it's safe to say it uh, was a perfect illustration of that. And Mikasa didn't even recognize what she was doing at the time either. Mm-hmm. The ironic thing, though, this thing that I find like super interesting is that Aaron's whole speech was based off of, you know, he hates people who are livestock and these, you know, slaves. And I find that the entire aspect of it, I mean, of course, Armin was a slave due to, you know, the memories of Berthold. So that's kind of like mental, uh, you know, a mental level of it. Mikasa was biological. Um even though, you know, when he's saying he hates these type of people, that means that he also hates the entire island of Paradise because they're all cattle, um, you know, metaphorically. And I think in in some like literal sense, as far as they're used to become titans on Marley. So that's like quite cattle like they're mm-hmm. trapped in walls. Um, they're controlled mentally for, by having their memories erased so removing their agency and all of that stuff and we can't forget man you know aaron is i think a slave of revenge in this Mm. aspect here of doing all this stuff he's kind of being compelled because of something that happened to him so that's what i find like truly ironic about the whole scenario that we're dealing with here i just don't think that he can recognize you know the thing that he hates is exactly what he's exhibiting right now. Hmm. Do you have an idea of what, like exactly who or what he's exuding his revenge on? Yeah. So this is going to be spanning a couple episodes, man, but I kind of have a theory (laughs) that I'm working on right now, but essentially the, well, okay. So, you know, if I was to answer this question, Chris, I feel like I would, know the exact ending of the whole entire series because (laughs) right now the you know at first we literally i think from season from season one two four and maybe like 
seven episodes or so, six episodes, we believed that the enemy was Marley, right? Mm -hmm. But now it's almost like the enemy is Paradis in a sense. Interesting. And it and it could be because Paradis is in the way of protecting Eludeans and destroying Marley. Um, mm. Or it could be that he just really doesn't rock with them anymore. But um, without giving away a little bit more than I think people are listening to right now, as far as season or like episode 74, I'll uh, save a little bit of my like kind of pontifications till then. But I do have a interesting question for you. Aaron mentioned that, you know, if an Ackerman kind of resists the urge to protect, they get headaches. Um, do you think Levi's ever gotten a headache or from resisting the protection mechanism? And um, is it is it the fact that he is under that too? Or is it just Mikasa? Hmm. I I don't think there's any example of him getting a headache in the past episodes. Uh, it's like from where I am right now in season two, he, I haven't seen anything from it. Uh, I, I wonder if they have to have like some sort of soul tie or connection to said person or whatever thing it may be to, to get that headache. Uh, but yeah, that that's all I can think of for now. That that is kind of a an interesting one. I think it's also tough because Levi just looks pissed a lot of the time. So it yeah. looks like he has a headache just from dealing <laughs> with regular people. So <laughs> it's um it might not be a fair question to ask because he's he's pretty enigmatic in a lot of ways. <laughs> he feels no pain I, anyway, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's he's never had an emotion before, but. You know, one thing, the the one person that I would say, you know, you can make a case for is actually Commander Irwin. Mm, um, being yeah. that even now he's kind of protecting Irwin's lineage and kind of existence for dying by promising him that he's going to kill, he's going to kill Zeke. And mm. you got to think too, it's like out of all the people, all the comrades that Levi's seen die, He's, you know, the one that he talks about and talks to in his own head the most is Erwin. Mm -hmm. So it's um even like Kenny, his own uncle, who like taught him the ropes. You know, after Kenny died, he's just like, all right, so what are we eating? Or you know, what are we up to now? <laughs> I just think that it's um it's very interesting. So I think that's that's who the person would be, Erwin. Yeah, I would agree with that statement too. Very excellent. We're on the same page. This is a good start. <laughs> so at this point, man, we are back into the forest talking about Levi. That was actually a pretty, pretty smooth segue there, if I don't say so myself. And uh, a little bit of a tidbit note, we don't get a lot of kind of markers as far as time goes, which I find a little bit tough to like line things out because you got to you know steal sources from different places but we know that they've been in the forest for a month and also that um it takes them about a month to drink a lot of wine and unfortunately <laughs> for them that means that 
you know, we see a scene where not too long after we kind of jump to the forest where Zeke turns everybody into Titans and escapes. And now we're dealing with the one person that didn't drink the wine, which is Levi against all of his comrades. And it's, it's insane to see. And also I think the really, really interesting part of this whole thing, even like, you know, obviously it's getting exciting we haven't seen Levi near Titans that he's wanted to kill for a while now. It's been a couple episodes, <laughs> but the, the reaction of everybody who drank the wine or has ingested Zeke's spinal fluid is pretty interesting, you know, and we got to kind of count people, right? So we know now that picks commander picks is absolutely infected. Um, everybody in the same shot was infected except Hanji. Um, the Jaegerist guard and Pix's assistant. Did you did you notice anybody else who kind of seemed like they were um, above the the reaction of Zeke yelling? Uh, I don't think there was anyone else besides like normal people like Armin, Mikasa, and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I, that, I think that was about it. You nailed them all. It's also you know. I can't wait to see the time when the commander, kind of the head guy at this point, now that Zachary's out of the picture. I know Hanji's still a commander of the scouts, but it's like scouts have never been in good graces with the rest of the (laughs) um, military branches. So the, the main guy that's kind of calling the shots and has the most experience is it's like a ticking time bomb, depending on when he um, isn't shouting distance of Zeke. Mm-hmm. I was just about to say, it's kind of cool to see how everything is all connected as well. When you see all the people feeling that shock, just like how deep this connection really is with the Titans and with Ymir and like all this stuff that's happening. I know we'll get in a little bit or get into that a little bit more uh, when we're talking about next episode, but it's just a cool little nugget to see uh, to start kind of start things off when in thinking in that direction. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, there's so much that is in these two episodes. Like we talked a little bit about before this podcast started, it's, um, especially with the history and everything that we see a lot of Zeke, but to keep the show on the road, cause we will get there. Essentially now we have, I think the most badass kind of little clip of Levi. And I think we've seen this before, man, in like a season four, like either a picture or a little trailer of Levi just like Mm -hmm. floating in the middle of all the Titans. And he's just looking like he doesn't care. Like a classic Levi. (laughs) We finally get it. And it's now. How long did it, do you think it took Chris before he started killing his comrades? I mean, I I don't think it's fair to Levi to call them comrades at this point. But how long do you think it took him from... He dodged two of them, I believe, or maybe three? Yeah. Man, it was... I feel like it was around maybe two or three. But to answer your question, I feel like how long it took him to kill his comrades. Oh, my gosh. I feel like it didn't take him very long at all. Are you talking about, like like making that decision to do it or yeah, that, just, that, so. yeah, that homie is cold and he, he, his one sole goal right now 
is to kill the man who killed basically I would say his best friend, maybe even like a father figure in Irwin. And so, and we've seen it throughout this entire season. Like he has been itching to kill this guy from, from the start. And now that he finally gets his chance, I feel like he's just like, all right, this is my moment. And I'm about to wreck this fool. Yeah, dude. It's um. forgive me if I've already said this before, but it's, you know, it's, like the classic uh, Patrice O'Neill, he's a comedian and he talks about how, you know, he, you know, if he dislikes somebody so much, he'll throw out something of his own and then blame it on them for stealing it. <laughs> and it's like, I could see Levi just like, you know, tripping up a guard or like, you know, throwing some away and be like, Zeke did it. All right, I'll kill him. Yeah. You he's know? like he's- the, the Kobe or, or MJ man. Like the, those two basketball players if you guys are basketball fans they are stone cold killers who will find any reason to get pissed off at whoever is guarding them or whatever team that they're playing against man just at anything anything would tip them off that's absolutely dude that's actually a really good comparison and it you know it gives me ideas and something i've been thinking about before we definitely got to do a basketball comparison to uh anime Ooh. anime characters and i think attack on titan would be a good one to do mm. some exciting but, things coming down the pipeline ladies and gents yeah absolutely so essentially now that we've seen this scene and then we've just determined how not long is what it took levi to start offing his um enlarged ex-commanders or comrades at this point he catches up to zeke and i guess there's a little bit of information that we get before that happens and it's zeke kind of talking to himself or thinking you know out loud about how he couldn't have described the situation to levi and have him understand it all so that's why he had to do something that was this messed up and he believed that levi was going to be able to uh kill his own comrades but now we have levi you know right there in the thick of it like still has blood on him and realize this is titan blood right so it's it's dries really quick so he's like fresh off the kills and now he's like going after zeke and there's a couple things that i noticed like right off the bat and then were even more glaringly obvious like the second time around but chris did you notice one that there was like some funky rap about like warriors and stuff going on during that little skirmish no no you didn't was this like background music or what look i was only able to watch it once man yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> that's fair. But still it's you would like it's kind of weird to only hear Japanese like words and voices and then all mm. of a sudden hear an English one. Interesting. So that's why I think I tuned in on it. But if you if you're curious, uh go back and rewatch it. Oh, it's I'm definitely rewatching it, kinda, man. Yeah. The the commitment's strong with you, man. I shouldn't have even um Yeah, even suggested me. it. I'm yeah, just kidding. It wasn't even an option. <laughs> But uh, we have the funky rap. Zeke's neck was already hardened. 
I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, I did. Did notice that. And then during their kind of conversation during it, um, the essentially, you know, Zeke is kind of attacking Levi with words about how he like killed his comrades and stuff like that. And the, the, the hardcore Levi line that I was like really got behind was you don't have a damn clue how many comrades we've killed. Hmm. And my question to you, Chris, is, you know, this thing's like quite loaded, right? There's, there's a few ways of, you know, talking about this. Um, Literally, he could be talking about, you know, I've I've killed a lot of Titans. So it means I've killed a lot of comrades as far as, you know, those could be people that served with him. It also could be, you know, he killed people back in season three with you know that were humans or it could be you know from his military decisions he's killed a lot of people and this would be another you know instance of it even though he's having to kill these people himself and it's different than like having a botched like military move it's still it was his decision to keep the wine there which was an important flashback that they added Mm -hmm. in out of like those things and I'm sure even more because you picked up stuff when you were watching it. What do you think he's referring to here as far as, you know, he's killed, you know, you don't have a clue on how many comrades we've killed. Yeah. I think the, the biggest part of it is the kind of the military decisions that Irwin has, he and Irwin have made kind of together uh, as leaders of the scouts. I mean, they've, in the past seasons, they've gone beyond the walls with a hundred percent of their, their, uh, their unit or their squad. And they come back with 70% of them gone. And that happened multiple times. And I feel like that was kind of one of the things that gets touched on in the past seasons is just like, how far are you willing to go? And like, how, how much of hum- how much of your own humanity are you going to kind of put on the line to further your cause and things like that? So yeah, that, that would be my, my best opinion on what he was saying was just that they have sacrificed so many different people, so many friends, uh, maybe even sometimes family members um, just to kind of further their cause. I I 100% agree with you. It's, it's it's something that we've seen as a recurring idea or thought, especially within the soldiers of this whole thing. And, you know, in general, it's the idea of, you know, what is the price that we are paying here to do mm-hmm. these things, either explore outside the wall or, you know, save the island or attack another island, things of that nature. It's it's the cost is it's more than you can pay yourself. It's, it's a cost that others have to pay and Mm -hmm. that's the loss of comrades. And, and we have that tough, tough line by Levi. And of course, after saying something that hardcore, he like quickly dismantles, quickly dismantles Zeke. And I use the word dismantle because it was like almost clinical. There wasn't any slashing or anything like that. He, it's almost like he was like, all right, bro, I just want to save my blades. I'm just going to use these rockets that I took off my, you know, 
took from the camp and he just takes him out and like wrecks him to the point where it, it looked, I thought originally like Zeke was dead. Yeah. I was super surprised by how fast that whole thing happened. Like, I feel like mm. it was only like a few minutes and boom, Zeke is just dismembered, dismantled, fried to a crisp. Yeah. Once again, kind of a letdown. Maybe they're saving a big Zeke-Levi fight, but it's just like, you know, there's so much buildup, so much anticipation. The mm-hmm. chemistry between these two are just ridiculous and kind of in a cute way too, where it's like they have all the jokes and the, the corny lines, you know, with just from the dialogue between them two. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom. All right, that's quick. It's done. Next scene. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really hope that wasn't the big, big, big fight between them <clears throat> as well. I guess we'll, I guess time will tell, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, so now we're switching gears and visiting somebody that we haven't seen for a long, long time, man. It's Keith Shaddis. And that's the drill sergeant from like the very beginning of this whole series who's just you know like beating down recruits verbally and if they're special and he likes them physically as well (laughs) and um essentially he's like talking to these recruits and doing like the old school way of like you gotta you gotta be ready to kill titans and stuff but they're thinking that they are gonna be better off being trained for attacking humans and essentially the Jaegerists roll up and they tell all the recruits, hey, if you want to be a part of this, which they were kind of leaning towards anyway, show us how down you are by whooping this old man's ass. <laughs> and and um, number one, I, you know, when, when Keith Shadis said, essentially like, come on, he he like it was like a convincing enough that people kind of second guessed it hmm. and do we have a classic you know somebody's puppy dog mouth um stepping in front of someone's you know someone's bulldog ass type of thing here <laughs> or sorry i reversed that someone's bulldog mouth getting somebody else you know someone's puppy dog ass in trouble here or do you think that, you know, Shaddis's bark and bite were pretty tough then? Of course, he wasn't going to win. There was a mob of people. But do you, how good of a fight do you think he put up? When he basically said, come on, and you had that short little, I think it was just like a black screen, and then it cuts to him, like, just dropped for, mm. for a quick second. I, I was like, He's about to wreck all these young bloods <laughs> right now. Like he is like master splinter about to freaking show these fools how, how it's done. But then I was sadly mistaken <laughs> when the yeah. they show the next scene of him just lying there, kind of whimpering and all bloody and stuff. It was really really sad to see. Yeah, it was uh you know, it was very inspiring and very like hyped up, and then we saw him laying there like he like he just called life alert and he's just hanging in 
until the help arrives. <laughs> and um, it it wasn't good, man. It wasn't good. But to be to give him credit, it, it shows a little bit of something because, you know, obviously he was torched, but there was multiple people for, um, you know, there was multiple people that were attacking him and that they had bloody knuckles. So yeah. it wasn't like one person just gave him his licks and it was done. He he like, you know, took a couple people on, which respect to him. I I think the record should shine on that one or show oh, yeah. at least that he, you know, he took on at least one of those young bloods. Yeah, so I agree. But also a tough way to go out. And one last thing from, you know, a really quick switch from that scene was we saw that Armin and the rest of the group were actually in jail at this point mm-hmm. um, and trapped underground with other people, you know effectively making Armin's, you know, Titan ability moot because he's not going to be willing to kill everybody in the vicinity of, you know, miles there. Yeah. And also it, it kind of shows you where these Jaegerists are at as far as I, I think that they're doing what they're doing is they're just kind of um they're managing things. So they're getting recruits obviously, but these recruits are probably going to just be guarding guarding these prisoners right you wouldn't want to put like a you know flock as um incompetent as i secretly believe he is he wouldn't be the one guarding the prisoners that would be just some random kid wait you're saying flock wouldn't be the one guarding the prisoners no i don't think so i think he'll be like out there commanding people oh gotcha something yeah i but i do also believe that he is super incompetent and it showed in that that little scene when he shot at the ground, he's like, Oh, I missed like, mm-hmm. come on, dude. Like you're, you're right there. How can you miss yeah, homie's no. foot? But also, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, dude, like you think of the context there. So he missed his foot. That bullet ricocheted and could have easily taken out somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, two, that, that rifle, um, you know, if that was like real world circumstances, that would have blown his foot off. Like there, you know, if it yeah. didn't blow his foot off, it would have made it so it'd just be like, you're better off just removing this foot. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I just think, you know, I think that was a perfect example, what you just mentioned of his incompetence and, you know, but still the Jaegerists are, they're not turning people away. And so that's why they pulled up on the recruits. Yeah, they're moving really quick as far as building strength and building kind of an army and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I'm just waiting for the day flock is dropped by, I'm hoping Mikasa (laughs) freaking just smacks him, dude. Like, yeah, he needs to get put in his place real quick. And I hope Mikasa just freaking whoops his ass, man. Yeah, man. That is actually a really interesting question. Like out of all the people who would you want to, to beat him up the most? Um, you know, I think there's obviously like Levi would be great at it, but at the same time, I think, you know, in a more natural setting, it'll be like Gene, um, Connie, Imagine and a Connie. few other. Oh gosh, yeah, that'd be so awesome. Probably not. Yeah. I mean, that would be his time to shine. He doesn't shine often, but it's when he's beaten, beaten losers up. <laughs> it sounds like a Connie thing. Hey, he's got to do what he's got to do to get that. Yeah, bro. Yeah, Ernest it's that King. green. If you know what I mean, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, 
now I think it's a it's the last scene of this episode, and essentially what we have is Zeke comes to again, and he's trapped uh, in a really really interesting kind of maneuver that Zeke does, or not Zeke, but uh, Levi does. He jams a missile into his side, knowing, and then tying the string to his neck, knowing like, hey, bro, if you make any subtle movements, you're gonna be blown to shreds. And, you know, that might be just it for you, which is, it's kind of, it's a, it's an interesting gamble for Zeke or not Zeke, but, or I guess for both Levi and Zeke. Mm -hmm. One, it kind of uh, corners Zeke to be doing predictable things, which is great for Levi, but also it runs the risk of you are essentially to kind of have more control over the situation gambling on you know the one royal blooded thing that can help you essentially like you know guarantee the protection of your island but granted we're dealing with levi here so it's probably like ah i mean if he dies it's better yeah exactly he's not really concerned about the yeah and uh, even then do we actually believe that Zeke and Aaron are like, I want the best for parodies now. I guess that's well, we, for, for the next episode, but yeah, that is, that is absolutely a great question. And I, I think that it's, you can't, you can't imagine that, but you can kind of control the situation enough where you still would rather have them be variables than not. Yeah, because you right. don't have any time, and you know you could you could almost like hold this dude hostage and get them to do what you want easier than you could, you know, train another person to eat them and do that yeah. stuff. Even though that's still an option that they've considered. That's true. Also, uh, a thing that I thought was an interesting that we mentioned was or didn't mention was, you know, this whole time there's been a lot of talk about like, where's Zeke, where's Zeke, where's Zeke. Did you notice that Aaron also mentioned, like, I hope Zeke shows up to the, you know, the meetup spot. Yeah, I did notice that. Uh, Why? That's such a dissonance. Well, I was going to say, it's like, it's so clearly off. So it's either, do they know where Zeke, you know, do they care about meeting Zeke at a certain spot and then trusting he'll get there? Or do they not trust him? Hmm. Like, If you could like mentally figure out, you know, you have situation a where they where Aaron's supposed to meet Zeke somewhere specifically. And, but situation B where they're still super concerned about where Zeke's at, it's almost like they don't trust that he's going to make it there. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't catch that. Uh, well, maybe, they heard something from like Pixis or something like that. Cause you know how they quickly changed the, the plan on the scouts. Maybe mm-hmm. they, maybe someone said something or heard something about Zeke, maybe <clears throat> being threatened to get eaten or something like that. That would be my best guess, but uh, yeah, that's about it. Do you have any thoughts on it? Honestly, man, I didn't, I didn't have anything for this particular one. It's, it just seems kind of like a really, really odd irregularity. Mm-hmm. It's definitely but, off for sure. Yeah. Like you wouldn't do that if you expected 
to meet somebody someplace, but with such like high pressure stuff, maybe, maybe you'd want that guarantee as far as knowing their current location as well. Yeah. Hmm. I guess that that's right too. Yeah. I guess, I guess hopefully, hopefully we'll find out soon, but the last very last moment, I think this is a perfect segue to the next, the next episode, which you'll be taking the steering wheel on Chris is that we see in Zeke's memory, Mr. Cassava and how he's kind of guiding Zeke by just throwing the ball around. And Zeke says, Oh, he has a mission to do instead of, you know, maybe you should try baseball and episode ends. And we start episode 74 with some heat. So Chris, take it away, man. Yeah. So episode 74 uh, was titled soul salvation. And first thing that we see to start off is uh, Zeke as a young child and he's with his dad, Grisha and Dinah. And they're kind of just looking over Liberio on this giant tower. Um, And you see kind of Liberio surrounded in walls and Grisha describes it as like a, a cage to Zeke. Uh, and then the Marlian shows up. Who, it's a guy who tends the tower. <clears throat> he noticed right off the bat that Grisha had his armband on and notices that they're Eldians. And then he just loses his mind, throws mop water on him, and then just starts just saying some just absolutely disrespectful things, like just calling them devils and um, just saying how they how the Eldians slaughtered countless lives. And and then he questions them like pumping out kids and just being so indignant and mad about that. Uh, and then kind of moving on from the next scene, we see uh, Grisha and Dinah and he's holding Zeke and they're walking through, I guess this, the street and they're just being yelled at, being called names and stuff like that. And uh, Grisha says, Remember this well, Zeke. This is the outside world. If you don't like it, you got to change it. And I feel like this was kind of the the first seed planted to Zeke's ultimate plan and ultimate goal. Uh, Jordan, I just kind of want to hear your thoughts on that entire kind of first section, first scene of this episode. So, you know, it it is clearly ex- the exact reaction you'd imagine from a Marleyan, um, especially one that isn't, you know, that's might be on the verge of being uncouth as far as, you know, he's, this dude's a janitor, so he's not, you know, diplomatic or bureaucratic in any way. He's going to be quite um, heavy handed with the things that he does. The, the one thing that I am, it's hard not to, you know, absorb the scene and not think about this, but what are the odds? And I'm thinking that they're high that Grisha found a way to get over on that side, maybe to meet with the owls, but also maybe to actually put this whole experience in Zeke's head. As far as like, this is a horrific, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, what were they doing up there? Dude, that's deep. Oh my gosh. That's a good question, actually. Even consider that to be like an option of like Grisha going that far to to put his son through that. That's I, I guess I wouldn't put it past him after watching this episode. But dude, holy smokes! 
Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's, you just, of course, the situation would yield Zeke to think that, but yeah, like you said, Grisha is, Grisha is not above that. Absolutely not. What do you mm-hmm. think? What did you kind of experience from that scene? Honestly, what I experienced was just, I feel like they were just kind of showing like this start of how rough Zeke had it um, in his life. And that's basically all that it was. It's just to me, at least it was just that, Hey, this is Zeke's life. We're going to show it to you. And this is kind of how it started. And this is basically how it's going to be for the rest of his life until he becomes the warrior and the person that he is right now. Um, but to kind of move on, we, the next scene we see, uh, McGath and Mr. Uh, I think it's Cassaver. Uh, they're just kind of talking and they're overlooking the, the new recruits that are, um, candidates to take the beast Titan. And you kind of just see McGath questioning Zeke's drive. And I'm pretty sure Mr. Cassava uh, kind of asked about who Zeke was and stuff like that. Um, and then when the next scene we cut to where, um, Grisha and Dinah are dropping, uh, Zeke off at his grandparents' house to go to the Eldian dance club. Uh, and we kind of figure out that this is when they go and meet up with the restorationists and, um, and kind of do all of their playing and things like that. And throughout the scene, you see Zeke's grandparents kind of teaching him the, the Marleyan side of history and the Marlene side of Eldian history. And they kind of talk about how, um, uh, I think it was 1,200 years ago, they, the Eldians came and destroyed a place called Lago and then went on to destroy like two other places and things like that. Um, did you have anything to add on to that, all of that stuff, or is it kind of just, kind of just is what it is? Yeah, I was going to say, it does seem a little bit boilerplate as far as, yeah, this is the scene being set. This is what young Zeke's life was like uh, now that we get it from another angle, because we've obviously experienced some of these things through Grisha's memories that Aaron experienced. Mm-hmm. I I also think, though, that the angle that we didn't see was the calculated and exacting manner that Zeke even was talking about, you know, he was interacting with the stories, but it's almost like he was fed the facts and the lines that you're supposed mm. to tell people. So he's like, yeah, I'll, you know, Aludeans are horrible. Um, you know, we killed so many people and stuff like that. And, you know, his grandparents kind of being pleased that he's reciting these things, but totally missing yeah. the point that it's emotionless and robotic. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure they even asked him if, like, is this what your dad taught you as well? And I'm wondering if he was covering kind of for his dad in that situation. Do you think that too? Yeah, man, I totally agree. And being that they are so militant, I think that it's obviously something that they fed to him. So it's not like Zeke would like naturally cover, even though I do do believe he would. I don't think he he didn't even need to get to that point. It was already trained in him to say those things. Yeah, man. That's, yeah, this episode is uh, kind of tough for me to watch a little bit, just seeing him go through all this stuff. But um, we can keep moving forward as we 
go along. So the next scene is just a quick one where uh, Zeke's in a class and they're learning how to put guns back together. He drops a couple parts and you see Magath kind of looking over him and kind of in disgust. And then the next scene you see him walking through this, um, I guess this alleyway or the street. And he sees this little kid playing with his dad. I think it was like a soccer ball or something like that. And, um, and then we move on and then uh, we get another scene where now Grisha's telling the same story that his grandparents told him, but it's the complete opposite saying that uh, the Eldians never went to that Lago place and never went to the other two places and destroyed anything. And um, it just, it's gotta be hard for this kid, right. To be playing these two different roles and to be, to pretty much be having like two different personalities, having to please his parents and also having to please the Marlians and his grandparents. Dude, if you were in his shoes at this moment, like what, what's going through your head? Man, that's a really, really tough question. It's. That's a, that, yeah, that's a really good question. I think that if I was Zeke and experiencing those things, I would feel lost in a sense. Number one, because mm-hmm. you there's nothing that you know is because you believe it personally. It's because you were told to believe it, regardless of if it's like a Marley thing or a restorationist thing. It's all it's all has to be rehearsed and it's nothing that you can actually hold on to yourself. And I feel like you know, in that sense, you see a lot of, you know, in a lot of ways being that he doesn't really have anything that anchors him as a human being or anything that, you know, represents his identity at all. Mm -hmm. And I think that he picks up on that. I mean, you know, in the next couple scenes, but I also want to highlight the fact that, you know, when he, that same day that he saw the son and the dad playing with that ball, he, you know, went to his dad and say he got done early mm-hmm. and, and, you know, he was about to say, Hey, can we like play a catch or something to like have that experience with his father and kind of get that sort of admiration and, you know, good vibes. And his dad said, Oh, great. So you can study longer. You can yeah. you know start studying earlier. And so he's just very unappreciated and, Mm. he's caught in this crossfire of kind of a proxy war and it happens to land you know the dead man zone and a lot of the conflict areas on this poor kid's life right yeah yeah it's tough man it's tough to watch especially like watching him kind of grasping for his father's approval and just to kind of have that father figure in his life it's it's really really sad to see man do you do you think that um, there's anything else that he's experiencing outside of what I mentioned? If you had to put mm. yourself in his shoes. Yeah. I- I'm surprised that he's not like, I guess like schizophrenic or anything after all of this, that's for sure. And just how he was able to kind of maintain his, I guess just his, his actual person and stuff like that. I think that was pretty crazy to see mm. as well. Uh, but yeah, that's about it. So yeah. kind of, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah, essentially it's a, we, we, 
at the you know this episode is strongly tied within it's not all you know the story's not all said from one angle and not mm-hmm. every bad guy is a bad guy to everybody yeah yeah so to move on uh we i think we see the next scene is kind of mcgath telling him that he it has zero chance of getting the beast titan and uh he's walking uh kind of just walking away i guess from that that meeting with mcgath and then that's this is when he meets uh tom cassaver um who we find out is the beast titan and this is where you first see uh zeke's randy johnson skills developing into to what we know i guess maybe no one love today maybe not uh but yeah so um the next scene we kind of figure out that the ldn restorationists are kind of relying on zeke to get these powers to further their plans and their motives and things like that and um grisha actually and this is where Zeke is kind of listening to his father. I think it's, he's talking to Dinah and uh, I think it's Dinah's brother. His name was, I forgot his name already. Um, but then he notices them listening in the conversation, puts even more pressure on him saying that like, you need to do this and all this stuff like that. And just kind of just being this horrible, horrible father figure towards this child and things like that. And it's just another example of just showing him or i guess another example of um what am i saying of just grisher just being this this terrible person who is kind of selfish in a way i would think Mm -hmm. and um yeah do you have any thoughts on that or well i think you're completely right man it's it's just another lamentation of how just unfair of a position Zeke's put in. Mm. Right. Yeah. Next scene, we find out that Tom kind of became the warrior to learn the secrets of the Titans. And I, I feel like that was kind of really cool, like a really cool idea for him. Um, Cause it kind of just shows that he's not like completely brainwashed, like the warriors that we've seen and the candidates that we've seen. Um, and I kind I guess it kind of shows I guess how people can be different in these situations and, um, and in these, these times of being brainwashed by the Marlians and things like that. Um, and one thing that he, he kind of told Zeke was everything started when Ymir touched something. Jordan, do you have any ideas on what that something is that she touched? Probably a wiener, but (laughs) (laughs) you know what? Um, I don't, well, obviously we've seen in the, you know, if if I could pull all the information I had about this, wasn't she given like a apple or the heart of a god yeah. or something? Yeah. I was just, I would just want to know like if it's like an actual object or if it's like, you know, like a figure of speech or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I found that that, um, that little detail was actually quite interesting that he they threw that in there, especially since it's like out of all the research that he could have talked about, um, could have talked about the Beast Titan or something different. Mm-hmm. It was that specifically. I, I think that. Hmm. Do you have any? 
do you have any kind of uh, ideas? I know you're nice with the history, man. So if no, you, I mean, you killed it with the apple. That, that's what I was going to say. But like, I was just wondering if it's like, is it an actual apple or is this, am I just overthinking all of this stuff, you know? Well, I've never seen an apple turn anyone giant. So it must oh, be something true. special, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So um, to move on, uh, the next scene we see Zeke mopping. We don't know where he's mopping, but you know, we see these, uh, I guess they're police off Marley and police officers. And, uh, they're discussing the, uh, Eldian restorationists and how they've discovered who this, they don't, I don't think they discover who the owl actually actually is, but they know that there is a person who is feeding the restorationists. Um, information about the Marleyans and things like that. And this completely freaks Zeke, Zeke out. Uh, the next scene, you see him sitting there at dinner with his parents and he's not eating. And his mom asks him, like, why are you not eating? And he just says that, you know, I have a stomach ache. And you just see him just sitting there sweating and freaking out. And then he goes out and says, you, you guys need to stop doing dangerous things. And then you see another grisha blow up on zeke um and then we cut to the next scene and you see zeke talking to tom about what happened and how he and his parents are in a lot of danger and being threatened to get sent to paradise and turn into titans and this is where you we find out the actual reason why zeke um uh turned in his parents uh to the marlins and it was um, basically Tom suggesting that he does do it to save himself and his family. And I feel like, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, Jordan, or if you have any other ideas, but I feel like this is kind of, uh, the reason why Tom did that is because he kind of saw, um, his son in Zeke. You have any thoughts on that? Yeah. I think that that's like the best bet we got, especially since later on in the episode it's i think he actually admits that mm-hmm. and another thing that i want to highlight is you know how quickly and how strongly granted we don't have a time frame but how strong the bond is between Zeke and Tom, or Zeke and Tom because there's there's so much trust in the fact that he's telling him this thing, especially somebody that is a warrior, you know, like, could you imagine mm-hmm. telling a, a Titan war or Marley and warrior about that? It's, um, you know, of course can get Zeke killed, but his grandparents killed his parents killed and everybody that Zeke, yeah. you know, really cares about and knows. So strong, strong tie to mm-hmm. that. And, is this before or after he mentions that Zeke is better off not being a Titan warrior? Because I found that, I think that's a really um, kind of another point that pulls Zeke away from his parents' idea of who he should be. Yeah, I think it was before, actually. Mm, okay, so, gotcha. Yeah, so um, do you have anything else to add? Should we keep moving? Um, I, I'm curious if you have anything else to add to that. Oh, no, I think that was about it, man. Yep. Cool. All right. So, um, 
now we see time has passed and you see that Zeke is now older and stronger. And I think this is the scene where, um, Jordan, where you're talking about where he suggested to, or where Tom suggested to Zeke that he should, uh, just not try and be a warrior just so he can live. Mm. Um, but one little thing that you do see is Reiner, Bert Holt, uh, Gilliard, all of the, the warrior candidates as uh, young kids just walking across for some reason. I thought it was cool that they put him in there, but uh, it didn't really give much to the story, I guess. I guess it gives you a little bit more of a timeline about how much time has passed and stuff like that, but I feel like that was about it. Um, yeah. But this scene is where we get a lot of really, really good information about Titans and about the founding Titan, uh, mostly. Um, so we learned that not only that the founding Titan can rewrite memories, but they can also change the anatomy of the followers of the Ymir. So that would be the Eldians. Um, and Tom kind of shares this example of a pandemic that happened like 600 years ago. And suddenly that pandemic was just eradicated uh, due to the fact that uh, the founding Titan or the King who had the founding Titan powers changed the anatomy to where they basically weren't affected by said virus or whatever it was. Dude, how nice would that be right now to have in Dude, this, time was, and, <laughs> this time and place? I was literally thinking to myself, I think that's a little on the nose, guys. You don't, don't rub <laughs> it in. Um <laughs> It's, it's, yeah, I mean, it'd be excellent, but it's like a huge, really, really interesting point there that it seems like every day we're learning new little powers that this, you know, mm-hmm. the founding Titan has. So no wonder Marley wants it back so much. Yeah. And this is kind of where, you know, how we're talking about or how I said a uh, little bit earlier on in the pod about all the subjects being connected to the founder do you have anything else or any more thoughts now that we've come to this point? Yeah. I mean, it, it mean, it could mean a whole bunch of things, right? So it also means that, I mean, I guess if you could change, you could turn everybody into a Titan, right? If they can modify mm-hmm. what a human could be. So you turn everyone into a Titan if you want. I think that would be kind of um, be odd for, you know, somebody who's a uh ldn to do but that could be a possibility yeah Um, or it could just be like well it's mind control essentially like Mm -hmm. you have mind and body control very weird that sounds so scary um one thing that that kind of just popped in my head do you think that the ackerman powers are kind of a lie and that they're just superpowered humans that were built by the king. Mm. So, ooh, dude, that's actually an amazing kind of little thing, like you, vein that you struck there. Out, the only thing that I would push back on is that they're clearly a different race, and the yeah. whole, you know, they reside. Their kind of clan resides in a obviously a different country. So mm. that makes it a little bit more of a stretch, but I mean, why wouldn't the king create a specific family to, you know, one, just designate them to protect him at all times and change their emotions biologically to 
have, like have a need to protect mm-hmm. and also just be you know really apt warriors so i mean it'd yeah. be a perfect idea right yeah yeah for sure it was just uh, it's just one of those things that just popped in my head like as i was talking about it and i was just like man like what if because i just feel like everything mm-hmm. that we've learned up to this point has been a slight lie oh so yeah. so why not just dive into the theories a little bit and kind of kind of throw Dude. something out there you know yeah 100 percent, man i mean like you've already called like some big shots man so I would be way more flagrant with them than you. (laughs) Oh my gosh. All right. So moving on and just, we're still in this scene where Zeke and Tom are talking and we find out that Tom actually had a family and he married a, a Marlian woman. Um, But what she, what the wife didn't know was that he was Eldian. And when she did find out she was, just so I guess upset or whatever it may be she was so mad or whatever that she ended up killing herself and the child that they had and we kind of see this scene where like Tom in his eyes he sees his wife and his child on the ground and he he picks up the baseball tosses it to to Zeke and uh, I believe this is where he kind of admits that he see Zeke as kind of his son and things like that. And um, one big line that popped up uh, to me is, I think Zeke said it, I think he said is, if we hadn't been born, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have to suffer. And this is kind of the big, uh, the big plan that Zeke has had this whole time. Jordan, do you have any thoughts on that, that line that he said or anything like that? Um. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting that he took that route, and I think that obviously it, there's heavy influence on Thomas himself or Tom, who's kind of guided Zeke and has been a, the father figure now that his parents are you know essentially killed um, in this aspect of the part. But obviously, you know, his dad was sent to paradise. But I I find it quite interesting that that's the route he decided to take out of all of them. Not, mm-hmm. you know, he could even say like, um, you know, Eldians don't have Titan powers anymore. And couldn't he technically just do that? And just one person have the Titan power. And then he just jumps off a bridge or something mm-hmm. like, yeah. Uh, but I think if you like say Reiner, ends up just dying by like natural causes and never passes on the, the Titan powers. I believe. Yeah. It gets reborn to just some random Eldian is what I think happens. (laughs) What'd you say? I said some random idiot. (laughs) Poor sucker. Dude. Imagine just, I don't know, growing up and then suddenly you turn into a Titan. You're like, what is going on? Like there's no like explanation as to why you're, you're that way. That'd be pretty nuts. Yeah, yeah, it'd be pretty unfortunate. It'd be, yeah, it'd be <laughs> horrifically unfortunate. <laughs> it, you know, and it's uh, the way that we described that. And uh, what made me kind of laugh was that, um, you know, when you're describing the fact that um, Tom's wife killed herself and her son, it almost sounded like you wanted to say, yeah, she, she was really annoyed when she figured out that... <laughs> She was so annoyed, in fact, that she 
committed. You know, she she killed was her just child. So pissed, so devastated. She and was this just, man lied. Yeah, she didn't <laughs> like it so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's dude. It's a it's a heavy situation, and I didn't really know how to how to go about uh, yeah. explaining it. You know. <laughs> no, that's fair. I mean, emotions are emotions. That's the fact. She took herself out. Um, man, but to just go that far, I mean. Damn. Yeah, I mean, geez, That's, she was geez. pretty, pretty annoyed, pretty peeved. Maybe <laughs> that was like her one pet peeve, and he knew it. <laughs> one thing that set her over the edge, you know. <laughs> like, Tom, you're a great guy, and you know, I don't even care if you kill people at night. Just don't let me hear that you're an Eludian because that's like you know, top ten worst things ever. So. <laughs> Actually, the only thing that is the worst ever is you being an Elvian. Anything else you're fine. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, just don't be an Elvian. I don't care if you're getting caught by Chris Hansen to catch a predator. Just don't (laughs) let me don't let me catch you with one of those armbands. (laughs) Oh my gosh, man, I love you. You're awesome. (laughs) Good to say about you, my man. All right, so uh, we get this quick scene where. Um, Zeke and um, Tom are kind of like at this wall and they're like talking like around a corner and like I guess it seems like that they're kind of trying to hide it I don't really know uh, but basically all we get out of that scene is that there there is a way to break that vow of renouncing war uh, in Eldians <clears throat> and then the next scene we see um, Zeke finally eating Tom and gaining those the Beast Titan powers and this is where um, we hear the first, uh, the first, I guess, the first words of the euthanization plan um, that Tom and Zeke have kind of come up with. And the next scene, we finally see Aaron, and we get an explanation of when we see the glove in the past episode. I can't remember which one it was. I feel like it was like three or four is mm-hmm. when we see that glove on the bench and all that stuff. So, um, oh, actually, I skipped a part. Um, we like, we figure out how Zeke finds out who Aaron is and how he's his brother. And that was through Ryder and Bert Holt. And they kind of met up on, uh, a boat at a port, uh, in the previous, previous season, um, which we didn't see, which we now do. Um, we also see a flashback to when season in season three, when Zeke tells Aaron that he'll come back and rescue him someday. And we finally get an explanation of that in the, the next scene. And we figure out that. Yelena and Aaron talked about Zeke's euthanization plan and um, and we see Aaron and Grisha or Aaron and Grisha, Aaron and Zeke talking and um, Aaron explains that he saw uh, Grisha's memories of slaughtering the Rice family, which is the royal family. And um, Aaron says there's no greater salvation than never being born, uh, born in this world. And I feel like that's a callback to what Zeke said to Tom. And, um, and that was kind of, that was kind of it for that interaction between Zeke and Aaron. Uh, Jordan, do you have anything to add? Did I miss anything? Yeah. Um, so this is where actually, thank you for, thank you for the assist because this is exactly where my grand crazy um, theory comes in. So I think dude, that, Aaron is actually just kind of slow playing this. So he met with Yelena 
before secretly. So she kind of tipped him off into what what um the big fella Zeke is about. So being that Aaron cannot destroy Marley without the founding Titan powers, which he doesn't have because he doesn't have royal blood, he's going to need to trick Zeke into being in contact with him. So I think the whole thing is like, yeah, no, I'm about your plan. Give me the power and I can, I'll euthanize everybody. But that same mm-hmm. power is to destroy the, con- you know, the main enemy. And so I, this theory is based off of the fact that I'm still believing that Aaron's resolve is about taking out every Marleyan he can on his way out. Um, but that's my theory so far. And Dude. I think there's not really any holes, but what do you think about it? No, I like it a lot, uh, especially because I kind of skipped out <clears throat> on that interaction between Tom and Zeke when they're kind of talking around a corner incognito. Uh, he also mentioned to Zeke that even if he's touching the founding Titan, it's the, I guess the will of the founding Titans power is still in, I, we would say Aaron's control in this uh, situation. So yeah, dude, that is, I, I totally am with you on that theory. Actually, that'd be really cool. Cause I I'm really not feeling Aaron right now. Yeah, you're just hoping that your boy comes back in the good graces somehow, right? Yeah, but also it's kind of concern. Uh, it's kind of concerning to see, um, to see Zeke in this situation too, because he can very well turn on Aaron as well. But in what way? Because it's Aaron's decision to, you know, use whatever power. Yeah, but he could totally just eat him as well i mean it'd be a tough fight but i think okay so you're gonna have to catch me up on something because i thought that the second that like this is the only way to use the founding titan power to like do something that is not build walls because of the kind of non-aggression thing that's built into them so you'd mm-hmm. have to have somebody with non-royal blood touch somebody oh, that's does have royal blood. i didn't think about that you're totally right i'm wrong sorry <laughs> no, you're good man i mean i mean it's good to confirm my thinking here but i think that zeke unless he got somebody to eat aaron that was of let's say just like one of his followers like if yelena ate aaron he's done like you know everyone's getting euthanized mm-hmm. but i just don't think aaron is gonna let somebody roll up on him like that especially with the jaegerists involved and yeah um, he's obviously not taking any mess from mm. from any weenie t- titan in the first place right any yeah. weenie human <laughs> <laughs> that's true um but yeah so yeah dude i'm with you on your theory I, I'll, I'll totally back you on that because that i like that a lot uh but anyways so we get to the last scene and um basically what happens is that zeke says a few things uh he asks if um Mr. Uh, Kasava is actually watching and then he makes a sudden movement. The pin comes out of the, I think it's the thunder spear is what they're called. And we see an explosion. We see, I think we see Zeke's body flying and we see Levi flying as well. And also a burning horse, which is interesting. But Jordan, do you think, who do you think's dead? Who do you think's alive? Do you think both of them are dead? What's going on? 
genuinely, I think this is this is why he did it. Um, what essentially he's banking on is that he's going to survive this, and I, I think the chances are very high because we know that Titan powers are really effective on the person's will of like doing something, and I feel like Zeke's will is at an all time high especially going through some of his flashbacks and, um, you know, re-remembering why he's doing this thing. So I think he's going to survive for sure. And the whole plan is to ruin Levi's thing. He knows where he's supposed to be meeting Aaron, so he's just going to hightail it there, Uh, you know, once he figures out where he's at. Yeah, I feel like it's going to take a while for him to regrow those limbs and stuff, though. So Yeah, but it's like, you know, he's he's um competing against some dude that just almost got blown up in a burnt horse yeah do you think uh levi's dead nah dog levi's too tough for that for that type of business it's not going out like that (laughs) nah man and also it's like where was levi within the blast we've met we didn't see the actual like blast the moment that Mm -hmm. the blast happened and then see where levi was in relation to it, I just feel mm-hmm. like he's probably a little too quick. Um, those those missiles also they don't explode immediately. They usually or the thunder spears usually yeah. fly into something and explode. So that's probably a delayed fuse on just kind of the propulsion aspect of it. So I think that you know either he survived it at that range, which is probably unlikely. But the more likely thing is that he had enough time to like jump off the cart but then get knocked off by the, by the just kind of the percussive wave of it all. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Uh, I I really do hope Zeke's a goner, but I don't, don't actually think he is. I don't think he is at all. Um, Yeah. I'm kind of with you. I I think they're both alive. I think, I think Levi is going to be kind of severely wounded in a way and might be kind of unable to, to fight at this point. Uh, but I, I do think he's going to get saved by someone at some point. I'm really hoping that's that's what happens. Um, but yeah, do you want to get into theories for next episode, or should we close it out? Right no, now? man. Let's uh, now we got a tradition to uphold, dude. All right, I was just checking. I know we're, we're <laughs> yeah. low, low on time, so testing. Without yeah, further yeah. ado, I would like to hear um, your your thoughts, sir. Yeah, man. So essentially, I think there's going to be two kind of competing forces here for this next episode. One, obviously, the Jaegerists are going to be closing in on it, on Zeke. The only thing is that I feel like now that nobody knows where Zeke is, um, especially because, you know, Levi took it on himself to travel in the horse, on the horse. Number one, it's really important to figure out where Levi is going to figure out where Zeke's going to end up close to. But I think that what we're going to have is that... Zeke is somewhere in the middle of no man's land and the whole name of the game is going to be how am I going to get away from Levi or at least, you know, I'm going to make my way to somewhere. But I also think that it's going to be fun to see, or maybe not fun, but to see the Jaegerists get continually more desperate to try to figure out where Zeke is. Cause it is a matter of time, right? Yeah. The yeah. longer Zeke is out and about, the higher likelihood he's going to get eaten. Mm-hmm. So True I'm that. thinking those are what we're going to run into on episode 74. But now, Chris, what do you think is going to happen? 
Dude. Uh, man. <sighs> I think we're going to see... We haven't even seen the Marlins yet. So... Oh, good point. We're dude. definitely going to get some of them. And there's going to be some type of battle, I feel like, because, I mean, well, I don't see why there wouldn't be a battle between the Marlins and Aaron and the Scouts and stuff like that. It's, I, I, think, I know I said this in the last pod, but it's a big mess. And the mess got even bigger with um, Zeke being kind of out of, out of the fold for now. Um, so, yeah, there's going to be definitely a kind of search and rescue for Zeke um, on the Jaeger side, but I feel like they're going to get stopped up by, by the Marlins. And I'm, you know what, dude, I feel like it'd be kind of cool to see Reiner and the Marlins side with like Mikasa and Armin now and just start. mm -hmm. Go ahead. Well, no, dude, I was going to say like, now that we're in this position, you got to think that like, who's going to be fighting who here? There's there is kind of a, a case to be had that, you know, some of these people are going to be, you know, there's a three way fight going on. And of course, Marley doesn't know this yet, but everybody else does. So it'd be really mm-hmm. keen to see how, you know, things shake out, especially with how are how are the battles going to go down, like you were saying? Yeah. Yeah, man, it's definitely going to be it's supposed to be the last episode. So I don't know. I feel like there's a lot to a lot to cover in one episode. So I'm thinking that we're going to get something else. But, um, but yeah, guys, thank you so much for for listening and for for just taking your time out to to hang out with us and uh, talk about Attack on Titan and this just this amazing show that we've been able to watch and do this together. It's been really awesome. Uh, Jordan, I'll let you take it away and finish it out, man. Well, number one, props to you, my guy. Hell of a host, uh, especially for the first times handling Big Bertha as as show host, (laughs) as I like to call her. But yeah, I I think you said it really well. Once again, thanks, guys, for listening. Um, It was a pleasure, especially doing kind of a back-to-back in one episode. That was fun. And I'm I'm just really excited for Attack on Titan and then, you know, further on regardless of this is the last episode or the last episode for a little bit for part two is I know you like to push that theory. It's, it's going to be fun regardless of what happens. It's going to be a blast, especially if you're hanging around this podcast. So thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you.